Amen. All right, we are in part six of our Transitions sermon series. We're going to do one more next week, one more sermon in this series, and then we're going to launch our Christmas series called Wait For It. That's actually the name of the series. Um, you don't have to wait for it. Um, the name of the series is Wait For It. Uh, you were waiting for me to tell you the, the series, weren't you? But, um, but we're, uh, we're in part six this week. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that because that was just the corniest thing I could possibly do. But um, we're in uh, part six. And um, one thing that I really loved, I got a, I got a, uh, a note from a mother this week um, whose child uh, was observing the baptism service that we held last week. Um, and by the way, the baptism team last week was amazing, incredible, and, um, and I would just say this, the baptism team is led by a, a very special person, a, very, a person who's very dear to my heart, and normally I don't give uh, birthday shout outs, but Mother Ray's turning 90 tomorrow, and so I feel like under the circumstances, um, but her daughter, this, this, uh, a woman in our congregation, her daughter, um, had observed the baptism and it had such an impact on her that uh, she went home that week and she started baptizing all of her dolls. She had them lined up on the baptism or on the uh, bathtub. Uh, she started with Ariel the mermaid, which I thought was a, an appropriate way to begin the baptism. And, um, uh, but what, what, what was powerful is in a moment like last week, um, a lot of us got to see a visual representation of an internal transformation or a shift that occurs in our lives when we surrender our lives to the Lord. Uh, when we surrender our lives to the Lord, there's a shift. Scripture teaches that it's a shift from death to life. It's a shift from an old self to a new self. It's a shift into a new perspective, uh, a new position, a new way to see things, a new way to live. It's a, it's a shift in life. And so uh, today I want to take that a little bit further and I want to talk about uh, a shift that happened in the life of one man. Uh, and the shift that happened in his heart, even though it was just one person on one day in history, 2,000 or so years ago, it impacts all of us. In fact, I would say all of us are the direct result of the shift that occurred in this man's life. And so I want to read a passage to you, uh, and then we're going to explore it just for a few minutes. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on time today, which means this sermon is going to be 19 minutes long. Are you ready? All right. Uh, the scripture says this, Acts 9, chapter 1, it says, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and he requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, the way means followers of Jesus, he might bring them as prisoners. Uh, now, some of you have heard, if you've been around church for any length of time, you'll hear the preacher say, Paul says, or the Apostle Paul says, or St. Paul says, right? Who they're referring to was originally known as Saul. Saul was his Hebrew name, and Saul was not always an apostle of Jesus. In fact, Saul was actually going the exact opposite direction for many years. He was breathing threats and, and murder against followers of Jesus. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, we learned that as a young man, he had consented to the, to the murder of, of, of a Christian uh, follower, a guy named Stephen. He had actually held the coats of the individuals who were stoning Stephen. So Saul, before he was Paul, Saul was moving in a direction that he believed to be right, but was 
very, very misguided. How many know you can, you can be sincere and misguided at the same time, right? You can be, you can be the, in, in aviation, they call it uh, spatial disorientation. There are, there are uh, instances when, when pilots will be flying, like especially on, uh, on fighter planes. They'll be flying, and then they can go into the clouds, or they can go into fog, or they can go into the darkness. And if, they're, um, if their measurements or if their meters and instruments are not working correctly, and if they can't see the horizon, they can actually get disoriented in that darkness. They can, there have been instances where they've actually been flying upside down, thinking they were flying right side up. And then you come out of the clouds and realize that the earth is below you and the sky is beneath you. And you were flying, you thought you were flying right, but you were upside down. We can have not just spatial disorientation, we can have spiritual disorientation where we think we're doing the right thing. We think we're headed down the right path. And it turns out actually we're flying upside down. We aren't, we aren't doing what God has really called us to do. We got off track somewhere in the fog of life in the clouds or in the darkness of life. How many of you have had that experience where you're dating someone and you think you're dating the right person and then you find out you were flying upside down? Has anybody been there and not admitting it today? Thank you. I believe my wife just raised her hand. That would have been before me. Okay, all right, thank you, babe. Thank you. Um, <laughs> she's like, amen. Wait. Um, <laughs> Uh, or or you, you, you think everything is going right on your job, and then you find out, whoops, I was flying upside down. I was doing some things or saying some things. Or maybe it's not totally upside down. You're just a little tilted. You're just a little bit off, right? Or you, you made an investment, and you thought it was a wise investment, and it turns out, no, uh, you were upside down if that, in that investment. There are times in our life where, where this happens, where we think we're doing the right thing, and we're actually flying upside down. That's what happened with the Apostle Paul. He was, he was pursuing what he – in fact, he was going to the high priest. Uh, he was going to his religious leader and saying, I need letters to go to the synagogues all around the country so that I can find followers of the way, I can find Jesus followers, and imprison them. And then it says this, as he traveled, he was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, whenever you hear someone's name mentioned twice in the Bible, something momentous is about to happen. It happens eight times in the Bible where somebody, somebody's name is called twice. And that means that there's going to be a cataclysmic shift. There's going to be a, a, a piece of information that's going to shift something, that's going to transform something. In our house, if, if mama calls you once, you should listen. But if mama calls you twice, you better come running because she's got something important to tell you. God is saying to Saul, he's like, I've got something very important to tell you. Saul says, who are you, Lord? Here's the voice, the light. Who are you, Lord? And the answer is this. I am Jesus, Saul. I am the one that you are persecuting. Saul is learning in this moment that there's a shift about to occur in his life. He was in pursuit of one thing, and it turns out that he was actually going the exact opposite direction that God wanted him to go. He was he was persecuting Jesus, and Jesus wants him to praise him, not persecute him. He says, Saul, it's, it's me, Jesus. He says, get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Then Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. For three days, he was blind. He didn't eat or drink anything. Sometimes, in order to reorient us, there's a time of disorientation. 
Have you ever noticed that when you're moving to a different stage of life, sometimes there's a, you've got to pass through some confusion before you reach some clarity? Have you ever been in a moment where you're, you're being expanded or you're, you're being stretched and, and in that stretch time, you, you're confused. There's a blindness that can come over you. You're uncertain, but God's trying to take you somewhere. And so you've got to come through that. He brings him through that. Uh, and then it says this. So they, the people with him, took him by the hand and they led him into Damascus. And what follows in the story is the most cataclysmic shift, perhaps, in the entire Bible and maybe in human history because it is through this conversion it is through this shift that Saul experienced that all of us have uh, an opportunity to follow Jesus he was the apostle to the Gentiles uh, so many of us would never have had an opportunity to hear about the gospel were it not for the shift that occurred in Saul's life and so this morning I want to spend just a few minutes talking about the power of a shift the power of of a shift. How many of you know there are some things in your life that God may need to shift in order to align you with the purpose that he has for you? There's a shift that needs to occur. Even if you're not a Jesus person or a God person, all of us recognize at times in our life that we're not totally in alignment with the things that we're supposed to be doing or the way or the attitude that we're supposed to have or the or the mindset that God wants us to have and God wants to shift us in order to shape us into the person that he's designed us to be. Amen. And, and, and one thing that we find uh, a lot of times is that a small shift can make a huge difference. In fact, I'm told, for instance, that the largest mountain range on the planet was caused by a shift. Geologists say that the Himalayan mountain range is caused by one tectonic plate or one uh, a large body of land shifting under another body of land and forcing that one other body up into the sky. And it's now 29,000 feet tall, but it happened incrementally through shifts, through a shift. In fact, the geologists say that the, that the Himalayan mountain range is still growing about an inch a year. It's a small shift, but over time it makes a big difference. Sometimes God wants to make a small shift in your life, but if you allow him to make that shift over time, it can make a very big difference. In the, in the world of science, uh, in the 1950s, some scientists discovered the double helix of DNA. And it might have appeared like a small, uh, a, a small discovery at the time, but it made a massive shift in the way we understand science, in the way we understand medicine, in the way we do criminal science, in the way we do forensics. It, it just it had an impact all, all over the place, globally, even though it may have seemed at the time like a very small shift. In technology, uh, in the 1980s, some guys figured out that you could connect two computers together. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? And, they, uh, and out of that little, that little shift, that little discovery, we have the World Wide Web. And everything has changed as a result of a small shift, a technological shift that occurred that it impacts all of us, the way we eat, the way we uh, socialize, the way we friend, the way we unfriend, okay? The way we, the way we talk politics, the way we buy things, the way we eat, everything. Is, is, is dramatically impacted by a small shift. So if those kinds of shifts, if a small shift can create a mountain range, if a small shift can revolutionize science, if a small shift can revolutionize technology, what can a shift do in your life? What can God do through you if you'll open up your heart and allow him just to slightly shift something? An attitude, a practice, a belief, uh, a, an approach, 
a lot of times throughout the scripture, we learn that God likes to shift us initially by shifting our perspective. So a lot of times the shift starts here. It starts by shifting our perspective, shifting our understanding of something. A lot of times we will perceive things in one way, and over time God can shift the way we see things, and that transforms so many things in our life. Uh, I'm not a, when I'm a driver, I'm an impatient driver. Um, one of the things I hate to see when I'm driving is one of these, right here, right here, this, right there, see, this thing. I hate to see those when I'm driving. Because, you know, I got places to go, I got people to see, I got things to do, and I'm on, a, on the move. And actually, my, my, uh, my four-year-old son, I think genetically, it turns out we have the same DNA. Because, man, we pull up to a red light, he's like, why is the light red? And I'm like, I know, I don't know why it's red, you know. We, we agree we're, in our impatience, we're together. Um, but the reason you're impatient at a red light is because you're only looking at the red light from your perspective, your limited perspective. You're just seeing it in terms of what you need to do, where you need to go, who you need to see, who you need to talk to. You're, you're only looking at it from a very limited perspective. But if you were to pull back and look at it from a global perspective, you would see something more like this. You would see that, in fact, there are millions of people in the city that all have places to go, all have people to see, all have things to do. And the traffic light was designed by city planners who are recognizing that there's a bigger plan. There's a, there's a bigger pattern and that you are part of something bigger. And so you might need to stop here so that an ambulance can go by there so that somebody with a heart problem can get to the hospital and then you can get on to your yoga class. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? So, so sometimes God is saying, look, I need you to shift your perspective. I need you to pull out of your myopic picture of the world and pull back and see what I've really got going on because you're part of a bigger plan. And you're part of a bigger purpose. And I'm a designer that has designed the universe. And I'm, I'm working something out. And you're a part of that. And I want to shift your perspective so you can see it. The Apostle Paul was sent to the home of a Christian. And God called him a man named Ananias to come and talk to Paul. And here's what happened with Ananias. It says, Ananias, who was a follower of Jesus, another brother, came to the house. He placed his hands upon Saul. And he said, Brother Saul. Now, that's an interesting phrase because Saul up to this point had been murdering Christians. And, and, and Ananias has the compassion to say, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you can regain your sight. In other words, he's going to change your perspective and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, the scripture says something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. God wants to remove some scales from somebody's eyes today. God wants you to see some things differently than the way you've been seeing them. He wants you to see things from his perspective, not just from your perspective. Some of you may see yourself as alone today. And he's saying nothing can separate you from the love of God. I want to change your perspective. Not heights, nor depths, nor powers, nor principalities. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Some of you may see yourself as abandoned Today And he's saying to you, he wants you to see things differently. He's saying, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Some of you may see yourself as being in need. And he's saying, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Some of you may seem overwhelmed and see yourself as overwhelmed by trouble. And Jesus is saying, look, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He wants to shift your perspective so that you can see things from a different point of view. Sometimes, especially at this time in this season, 
He's not only trying to shift your perspective. For some of you today, he's trying to shift your pace. He's trying to shift your pace. Some of you, he's saying, look, I want to, I want to speed up your pace a little bit. These new ministry council members, they just stepped into a higher level of leadership and responsibility. And they have stepped into a higher level of pace for their life. Other times, God's saying, you know what? I actually want you to step down your pace. I want you to slow down a little bit because you're running too fast. I had a friend when I was a kid growing up who had a mini bike, dirt bike, back in Lancaster, Ohio. And man, this dude would ride around on his mini bike and he just seemed so cool. And I had ridden, a, uh, well, no, his was a motorcycle. It was like a dirt bike. I had ridden a mini bike before, but I had never ridden a motorcycle dirt bike, all right? And the difference is uh, that a mini bike only has one gear. So you just let off the clutch and just crank the throttle, and man, you just run it one gear. Now, you don't, you don't get very fast, but uh, it's not very complicated. You just run it, and then you stop, and that's it. With a motorcycle, you got to shift gears you, when you start picking up speed. And so this kid was going to let me ride his motorcycle, and he only had one question for me. He said, do you know how to shift? Now, I knew that if I didn't answer this correctly, he would not let me ride his motorcycle. And so even though I had never ridden a motorcycle before, I said, yes, I know how to shift. The reality is I, I didn't actually know what the question even meant. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what a shifter was. I didn't, wasn't part of my worldview at that point. So I got on the motorcycle. I cranked the throttle. I released the, cr the clutch. The little motorcycle lurched forward and probably 10 feet further it popped up on the back wheel. I came rolling off into a ditch. The motorcycle ran into a barn, fell over. The wheels are spinning, spitting dirt everywhere. And the kid runs over to me and he goes, I thought you knew how to shift, right? Because when you're, when you're on a motorcycle and you're picking up speed, you need to shift up. You need to shift up. Otherwise, you're going to run that engine out. You're going to, RPMs are just going to burn out. God is saying to some folks in this house today, hey, I want you to shift up. There's an open road ahead of you. There's some speed. I want, I want you to pick up some speed. I want you to shift up so that you can get to where I'm taking you. Other people, he's saying, no, 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 I want you to shift down. Because you're, you're coming into some rocky terrain, some rough areas, some high hills, and I need you to shift down. I need you to slow it down a little bit because if you don't, you're going to stall out. Is anybody with me right now or have I lost you on the motorcycle thing? Um, God is saying to some people, I need you to slow it down. Around the holidays, we've got a lot going on. We got, we got work and we got family. We got gifts. We got school. We got church. We got lots going on. And, and sometimes we can get caught up in it and we can get burnt out in it. And God says, look, I need you to slow down. I'll still be here. I got you covered. I just need you to pace yourself. Saul was running too hot. He was running too fast. God said, I'm going to blind you and I'm going to slow you down. In fact, here's what happened uh, when he's at the house. It says, after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some days. God said, Saul, I need you to just pause for a minute. I need you to pause. In fact, I, I might want you to go into neutral, just idle for a minute. Because I need to fill you with some information and some insight and some knowledge. I need to pour my spirit into you. I need you to, to experience a little bit of my love and my grace and my mercy before you get back out and start on your missionary journey. Today, somebody needs to slow it down. I don't know who it is, but this sermon is for somebody. And, and you're running too fast. And you're working and you're, you know, you're hard charging and your family is struggling and your kids aren't getting to see you. And it might be time just to kind of lay off the throttle for a minute, shift down a little bit and experience God in your life and experience some love in your life and experience some mercy in your life. 
God is shifting our perspective and he's shifting our pace and he wants to also shift your position. He wants to shift your position. How many of you know Saul was actually going the wrong direction? He was going the wrong direction and the problem is you can start down a path. Now he was going 180 the wrong direction. You might not be going 180 the wrong direction, but you might be just one degree off. If you're off one degree of what God has for you, you know, you get a little bit down the road and now you're pretty far off the path. We used to do an adventure race back in years ago and we would have topographical maps and we would have a compass. And then there were these checkpoints that we had to go find. But if you got, a, if you got one degree off on your compass, you know, you're just one degree off, but you walk one degree off for about four miles. Now you're a long way from your checkpoint. God is saying to somebody, I want to align you. I need you to just, I just want to shift you this much. It might be just a little shift in your attitude. It might be a little shift in the patterns that you have picked up. It might be a little bit of a shift in a habit that you have developed that I want to un, unhabit you from. I want to get you unhabited from that habit. It might, be, it might be a shift in starting a habit, starting a practice. Maybe God's saying, look, I want you to w just wake up five minutes earlier and start reading some scripture, make, making sure that you've got some scripture in your, in your day or some prayer in your day. It might be a small shift, but a small shift goes a long way. A small shift can go a very, very long way. Look what happened to the Apostle Paul. It says uh, after he had his pace shifted and his perspective shifted, it says immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the son of of God. This is a 180 shift. He was breathing threats and murder a few minutes ago. Remember what we read? He was, he was asking for letters from the high priest so that he could imprison Christians. And now he's out proclaiming and promoting Jesus as the son of God. God can take you and if you'll allow him, he will shift your perspective and shift your pace and shift your position so that Paul now has the exact opposite position that he had when he started. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? I have 45 seconds left to wrap up this sermon. And here's, here's what he wants to do. He wants to shift that position because ultimately he has a desire for you to fulfill his purpose. He wants you to fulfill his purpose through a shift that he does in your heart. And we're going to close with this, Gary. God has a plan for your life. The scripture says that you are his handiwork. And you're his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he designed for you to do before the foundation of the world. He's got a design for you. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And he wants to shift you to get you into alignment with that plan. So the question for you is today, God, where do you, where do you need to shift me? Where do you need to shift my heart? Where do you need to shift my mind? Where do you need to shift my practice? What am I doing or thinking right now or believing that you want to shift you want to alter you want to adjust to make me more like you to align me with your purpose look what happened when saul was aligned with the purpose of god it says so the church after paul started preaching throughout all judea galilee and samaria had peace you know he was bringing terror to christians they were terrified of him he was breathing threats and murder and now he's bringing peace they were being built up, it says. He was trying to break them down, but through the shift, now they're being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. 
It's, 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 he went from discouragement to encouragement. It was a shift. He went from trying to imprison people and hold coats while people were being stoned and terrified Christians to promoting and bringing peace and building them up and encouraging them in the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says, and the church increased in numbers. When Paul started, he was trying to decrease the church in numbers. But God shifted it. Every one of us here today is a result of this shift that took place in the heart of this man named Saul who became the Apostle Paul. The shift that God wants to do in your life is not just for you. It's not just for you. You see, if you'll allow him to shift those things in your life, hear, hear me now on this, get with me. If you'll allow him to shift these things in your life, the shift will have lasting impact on the people you touch, on your children, on your friends, on your family, on your colleagues, on every person that you have, have been blessed to have in your sphere of influence. If you'll allow God to shift those things in your life to help align you with his purpose, you become a part of a much bigger plan where, where, where his, his, his mercy, his grace, his love is extended throughout the world. So what is the shift that God wants to do in your life? What if we as a church community allow God to shift us just a little bit. God, line us up with your purpose. Align us with your, with your strength and your might. Align us with your plan, God, so that we can live out the design that you have for us from before the foundations of the world. Let us live that out. I'm going to pray that every single one of you experience just in your own heart today an understanding, a little bright light. You might not be blinded. God might not, you know, call your name from thunder and lightning and clouds and trumpets but God can speak into your heart in a still small voice and say I want you to shift right here I want you to shift just right here worship team would you guys come on up here I'm going to close today and we're just going to end in prayer and we're going to sing and we're going to go over four minutes I went four minutes longer than I promised um, but, but God can God can hold the, the sun still so we're going to shift back time Lord I, I want you just to to pray as we pray in just a moment. Pray, God, I, whatever you need to shift in my heart, shift it. Whatever you need to just move, you need to shift the perspective, shift my pace, shift my position, dial me in. God, do it so that I can fulfill your purpose in my life. Let's all stand together. And I'm going to pray for you. Just pray in your own heart as we pray together. Father, I come before you right now. I pray that your spirit, Lord, would be here in a mighty way, powerful way. And that you would do, Lord, by the power of your spirit, what none of us can do. By the power of your word and your spirit, shift our hearts. Open our hearts to experience you. To experience what you have for us. To experience the love and the mercy, the grace that you have. To go on mission. To be on point with where you would have us to go. Line us with your purpose align us with your plan align us Lord God with the goal, the vision that you have for our life individually and as a church take us where you want us to be Lord God so that we can bring honor, praise and glory to you as your emissaries as your missionaries on this planet Father we praise you help us to be your hands and feet in this city we give you all the praise, all the honor all the glory in Jesus name and everybody said amen Amen, everybody. You guys have an amazing Sunday.
Give somebody a high five or a hug or a handshake. And have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Amen. God bless you.